Chapter 16 of the Red Cross Girls with the Russian Army. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Unexpected Happens One afternoon, a short time after the visit to the Winter Palace, General Alexis and Lieutenant Orloff came to the girls' lodgings to have a drive in the sleigh with them. It was a cold, brilliant afternoon, and they were to undertake a more interesting excursion than usual. Nevertheless, Barbara Meade refused to go. There were letters which she must write, she pleaded. However, this was not Barbara's real reason. That fact she kept in her own head. Both Mildred and Nona she assisted to get ready, insisting that they both dress as warmly as possible, no matter how stuffy they might feel before starting. You are both blondes, and a blonde is never so homely as when she is cold, she added sententiously, for her face is much more adept to get blue than red, except the end of her nose. Mildred had purchased a lovely fur hat to match her sable coat, and in spite of her poverty, Nona had been unable to resist a set of black fox. Furs were so much cheaper in Russia than in the United States that it really almost seemed one's duty to buy them. When General Alexis's sleigh arrived, Barbara would not even go downstairs to see the other start, but she managed by pressing her nose against the window to observe that the arrangements for the drive were satisfactory. The sleigh was a beautiful one, built of mahogany, and the pair of horses wore real silver mountings on their harness. A driver in the imperial livery sat upon the front seat with a man beside him, who acted as a private guard for General Alexis, although he wore citizen's clothes. There was far less danger of anarchy in Russia during war times. Nevertheless, men in public positions in Russia were always watchful of trouble from fanatics. Therefore, General Alexis and Mildred were together in the middle seat, while Nona and Lieutenant Orloff occupied the one back of them. Then the sleigh started off so quickly that it had disappeared before Barbara realized it. Afterwards, with feminine inconsistency, she turned back into their small sitting room, frowning and sighing. I do wish I had gone along after all. There wasn't any place for me except to sit either between Mildred and General Alexis or Nona and her Russian lieutenant. Then nobody would have had a good time. Still, perhaps I should have stuck close to Mildred. She is almost my sister. And though Mrs. Thornton might be pleased, Judge Thornton and Dick would be wretched. Russia is so far away and so cold. Then Barbara made no further explanation, even to herself, of her enigmatic state of mind, but fell to writing letters as she had planned. Some thought she devoted to what she should write Dick about his sister's friend, the distinguished Russian general. But whatever she planned sounded either too pointed or else had no point at all. So she merely closed her letter by explaining that the others had gone for a ride and that General Alexis appeared extremely grateful to Mildred for her care of him in his illness. She also mentioned that she personally liked the distinguished soldier very much and that he was not nearly so foreign as one might expect. This was not a sensible statement, for General Alexis could scarcely have been more of a Russian than he was. A foreigner, of course, simply as an individual who belongs to another country than one's own. Presumably, an American is equally a foreigner to a European. What Barbara actually meant was that General Alexis was not unlike the men to whom she had been accustomed in the United States. He had the courtesy and quiet dignity of the most distinguished of her own countrymen. There was nothing particularly oriental about him or his attitude to women. The truth is that Barbara did not appreciate the fact that General Alexis was too cosmopolitan to show many of the peculiarities of his race. 
He had seen too much of the world and studied and thought too deeply. Besides, he was a man of real gentleness and simplicity. As Mildred rode beside him, she too was wondering why she felt so at ease with so great a person. Why, at home in New York society, she had always been awkward and tongue-tied with the most ordinary young man worthy of no thought. Now she was telling General Alexis the entire story of Sonia Valesky as she might have told it to her own father, and she felt equally sure of his sympathy and understanding. General Alexis would, of course, have no political sympathy with Sonia's ideas. He was a soldier devoted to his czar and his country, while in his opinion Sonia could only be regarded as mistaken and dangerous. But Mildred knew that he would be sorry for Sonia, the woman, and sorry for them as her friends. So she described their original meeting on board the Philadelphia, and the suspicion then wrongfully directed against Sonia, who was at that time using the name of Lady Dorian. Afterwards, she told of Sonia's appearance at the Sacred Heart Hospital and her work there. Last of all, of their unexpected coming together in Russia, and of the peculiar bond between Nona Davis and the Russian woman. At the beginning of her conversation with General Alexis, Mildred had no idea in mind, except to tell the story that had been weighing heavily upon her since Nona's confidence. Ever since she had seen the picture of Sonia, as Nona had last seen her, the beautiful woman with her too soon white hair, and the haunting beauty of her tragic blue eyes. She, a woman of rare refinement and not yet forty, to spend the rest of her life working among the convicts in Siberia. It was as if she were buried alive. Suddenly it occurred to Mildred that she might ask the advice of General Alexis. She did not believe it possible that anything could be done for Sonia Valesky now, after her sentence had been passed. But still it would be well to feel they had tried all that was possible. You don't think, General, that there is anything that could be done to have Sonia Valesky pardoned, do you? she inquired with unconscious wistfulness. You see, my friend Nona Davis wants so much to take Madame Valesky back to the United States with her. Then neither she nor her ideas would be of any more danger to Russia. Nona says Madame Valesky is much broken by her illness and confinement. She had a terrible attack of fever only a short time before. Probably she won't live very long if she is taken to Siberia. Then, to hide her tears from her companion, Mildred turned her head aside. General Alexis seemed to be staring at her very steadfastly, but fortunately the beauty of the landscape surrounding them gave her an excuse for the moment. They had crossed the Nicholas Bridge and were driving out among the parks and estates that cover the small islands, set like jewels among the white fastness of the river Neva. Here and there the river was solid ice, and other places the thin ice was decorated with a light coating of snow. The handsome private homes of Petrograd are situated in these island suburbs. Beautiful trees and lawns come down to the water's edge. But today they too were snow-sprinkled and most of the homes were closed. Mildred attempted to pretend that her attention had been attracted by one of these houses, built like a glorified Swiss chalet. But General Alexis continued to gaze at the side of her cheek, and Mildred was painfully conscious that the tears might at any moment slide out of her eyes. You care very much about this woman, this Sonia Valesky, Miss Thornton? General Alexis inquired. You say that she is a friend of yours, and that it will bring you great distress if she must suffer the penalty of her mistakes? I do not wish you to leave Russia in unhappiness. Mildred slowly shook her head. Had she been almost any other girl, she would have seen nothing to deny in her companion's last speech. But Mildred had the spirit of entire truthfulness that belongs to only a few natures. No, I cannot say that Madame Valesky is exactly my friend, she answered slowly. 
I do not know her very well, but I think I should care for her a great deal if we could know each other better. Perhaps she was altogether wrong. Anyhow, I do not think that she should have attempted to persuade the Russians not to fight for their country at a time like this. Yet, when one has seen the horrible, the almost useless suffering that I have seen in these few years I have been acting as a Red Cross nurse, well, one could hardly condemn a human being who believes in peace. Still, Madame Valesky is in reality more known as friend than mine. Pausing abruptly, Mildred again turned her face to look at the soldier beside her. She had been tactless as usual in thus expressing her feelings about peace to a man who was a great warrior. But General Alexis did not appear angry. Indeed, there was no disagreement in the expression of his eyes. It was almost as if he too felt as Mildred did. Besides, his next words were, I too appreciate what you feel, Miss Thornton, and I too am sorry for this Sonia Valesky. War is a great, a terrible evil, and there was never a time when the world so realized it as it does now. It is my hourly prayer that, after this vast bloodshed, war shall vanish from the face of the earth. But this will not happen if we give up the fight while we are in the thick of it. So Madame Valesky was wrong, so wrong that I might think she deserved her fate if I did not feel her more mistaken than wicked. General Alexis paused, and his face grew suddenly lined and thoughtful, as Mildred had seen it in those days at Grovno. Of what he was thinking the girl did not dream, but neither would she wish to have intruded upon his train of thought. So she sat quite still with her hands folded under the heavy fur rug, and her gray-blue eyes fastened on the snow-covered landscape. Mildred had grown handsomer since her coming to Europe, she would never be beautiful in the ordinary acceptance of the term, but she was the type of girl who becomes handsomer as she grows older, when character which makes the real beauty of a woman's face had a chance to reveal itself. Already a great deal of her awkwardness and angularity had disappeared with the self-confidence, or rather more the self-forgetfulness which her work had given her. Her eyes had a deeper, less unsatisfied expression, and her always handsome mouth more humor. For her own experiences and the friendship with the three other American Red Cross nurses had taught her to see many things in truer proportion. Miss Thornton. Mildred's attention was again aroused by her companion. I want to tell you something, but I want you to promise me you will not have too much hope in consequence. I have been thinking of this Sonia Valesky. I believe I can remember her father, or if not her father himself, at least I knew him by reputation. He did not share his daughter's views, but was the faithful servant of the present Tsar's father. Moreover, the Tsar is my friend, so I mean to tell him the story of Sonia Valesky and see if he will pardon her. She must, of course, leave Russia, perhaps never to return. General Alexis had been in a measure thinking aloud, but now Mildred's sudden exclamation of happiness made his eyes soften into a look of kindliness that again reminded the girl of her father. But, my child, you must not hope too much, he remonstrated. The Tsar may not feel as I do about your friend. After your service to me, there is little you could desire which I would not wish to give you. One would never have thought of General Alexis as a great soldier at this moment. The heavy lines of his face had gone. There was no sternness about his mouth. His eyes, which were so surprisingly blue because of his other dark coloring, gazed at Mildred's until for an instant she dropped the lids over her own, feeling embarrassed without exactly knowing why. 
the next moment she looked directly at the man whom she felt sure was her friend in spite of the differences in their ages their rank and their countries general alexis i'm going to ask you to do me a favor no i don't mean about sonya this time i shall be more grateful than i can even try to say for that kindness but this is something which does not concern anyone except just you and me will you never in the future speak or think of the service which you are good enough to say i have rendered you actually mildred was now twisting her hands together in the old nervous fashion which she thought she had overcome it is difficult for me to say things she went on but i want you to know that the greatest honor i shall ever have in my life was the privilege of nursing you if i did help to make you well why i am so happy and proud the favor is on my side not yours and mildred ended with a slight gasp feeling her cheeks burning in spite of the cold so unaccustomed was she to making long speeches or to revealing her emotions miss thornton general alexis returned then instead of finishing his sentence he leaned over and touched his coachman stop the sleigh for a moment we are growing cold it will be better for us to walk for ten or fifteen minutes and then come back to the sleigh and again he spoke to mildred you will come with me for a little he asked it will be wiser for you not to grow stiff with sitting still afterwards he said something to lieutenant orloff to which he and nona agreed five minutes later mildred was walking across the snow toward the river with her hand resting on general alexis's arm she was colder than she had imagined and it was difficult to walk over the icy and unfamiliar ground but suddenly she stopped and gave an exclamation of surprise and delight which was almost one of awe she and general alexis were alone nona and lieutenant orloff had walked off in an opposite direction but mildred now beheld the sun setting upon the russian capital beneath the world was pure white and above the sky a glory of orange and purple and rose between the two suspended like giant fairy balls were the great domes of petrograd's many churches i shall never never forget that picture so long as i live it will stay with me as my vision of petrograd long after i have gone home to my own country mildred said simply then she stopped in her walk and held out her hand thank you for this afternoon general alexis did not release the girl's hand instead he lifted it to his lips and kissed it although the hand was covered with a heavy glove then he smiled at mildred almost boyishly i want to say something to you miss thornton which i suppose a woman does not really mind hearing no matter to what country she belongs or what her answer may be in these weeks i have known you i have come to care for you very deeply i am old enough perhaps to be your father i have said this to myself a hundred times and that it ought to make my feeling impossible it is not naturally i understand that my age may make it impossible for you to return my affection but it has not made the difference with me i love you mildred i have known many women but have never met one so fine and sweet as you it is the custom of your country when a man cares for a woman to tell her so is it not or perhaps i should have written first to your father general alexis's manner was so naive almost as if he had been a boy instead of one of the most distinguished men in europe mildred could almost have smiled if she had not been so overwhelmed by his speech was general alexis actually saying that he was in love with her no one had ever proposed to her in her life 
and she had never expected that anyone would care sufficiently. But that the words should come from the man whom she felt to be a genius and a hero, no wonder Mildred was speechless for a moment. General Alexis, I have never dreamed of anything like this. I only hoped at the most that you are my friend, she answered a little later. Really, I don't know. I can't say how I feel. I appreciate the honor, but Russia is so far away, and my father— Yes, I know, General Alexis interrupted. Do you not suppose I have thought over all of these things? Until this war is passed, I shall not even ask you to become my wife. My life belongs to my country, and I would not have you alone here in a foreign land. All I ask is that I may write you, and someday in happier times may I come to see my American friend. Mildred could only nod and let General Alexis keep tight hold of her hand, while a sense of the warmth and sweetness of the affection of a big nature slowly enveloped her. Then, as they walked back to the sleigh in silence, and continued in silence almost all the way back to the lodgings, Mildred could only keep thinking how much her father would like General Alexis. Once she smiled, because her next thought was how immensely pleased and impressed her mother would be. It seemed impossible that the plain and unattractive Mildred could have captured so distinguished an admirer. Late that night, as she lay awake, Nona Davis's voice suddenly broke the stillness. The two girls were in the single bedroom, Barbara occupying a lounge in the sitting room. There is something I want to tell you, Mildred. The strangest thing happened to me this afternoon. Lieutenant Orloff proposed to me. Why, I scarcely know him at all. But he says that is not necessary when a foreigner meets an American girl, Nona confided. You? Why, Nona? Mildred faltered, too surprised for the moment to answer intelligently, because her friend's speech so oddly fitted into her own thoughts. Did you accept him? It was dark in the room, and yet Mildred could see that Nona had risen halfway up in bed. My gracious, no, she ejaculated. In the first place, I don't care for him at all, and in the second, I just want to get hold of my dear Sonia and return home to the United States. If your general does have her pardoned, I shall say prayers for him every night of my life. Funny, but I believe I am afraid of Russia, even though I am half Russian. Still, my mother did prefer to come to America to live. I simply couldn't bear living in Russia always. Could you, Mildred? Nona ended as she again dropped back on her pillow. But Mildred only answered, I don't know, which was not in the least conclusive. End of chapter 16